Hello, family. Let me look at you. How are y'all doing tonight? It's so good to be here. I'm excited. Before we get started, I'm just going to pray. Can we do that? I'm just expectant. Man, Father's just so good. Worship's just awesome. I love this house. Lord, we just love our house. Thank you for this church. Thank you for unity in our house, that we are of one mind and one heart. We've come to see you, Lord. We just come to look on you and to be transformed into your likeness. We come to be made disciples that bear much fruit, that feed nations, Lord God. This is our heart's desire to be changed as we look upon you, Jesus. And that's why we come. That's why we show up on Wednesday nights when we would rather be in our blankets and watching movies. (laughs) We come because we have fallen in love with you. We have seen something in you that our souls crave and we want more of it. So Jesus, tonight we say we want more of you, Jesus. If there's anything in the way, we just set it aside. We lay it at your feet, Lord. We want more of you. Right now we make room in our hearts for what it is that you want to speak to us. We make room in our minds, Father. We are ready to hear your voice. And we are ready for what it is that you're doing in this house in this season. We call it forth, Father. The richness that you're pouring out on this house that we're already seeing the first fruits of, Father. We celebrate the miraculous. We celebrate the gifts of the Spirit, the salvations that have happened in the last few months, Father. What you're doing in this place is worthy of celebration, Lord. And we say to you, Father, we say yes. And we say we want more of it, Father. May we be a people who cooperate with you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I'm excited. I'm excited about what's coming and what the Lord is doing. These next couple weeks, we are going to be doing a series on obedience. Everybody say obedience. I know when I used to hear that word, I just be like, ugh. Ugh, That's just that word and discipline. I just be like, ugh, that's awful. (laughs) Everybody go, ugh. No, this is going to be good. Faith obedience is something that we are well equipped through Holy Spirit to walk out in this relationship with Jesus. I know some, sometimes you hear the word obedience, and I just want to address this quick, quickly. If you grew up in a household or in an environment or had an experience in your life where obedience to you was something um, heavy, weighty, cumbersome, it, you know, it felt like bondage. Expectations were placed on you that you felt like you could never meet. You could never be obedient enough. You could never please the people in authority over you. If you've ever had experiences like that, or if that was a household that you grew up in, that is not this. What we're talking about tonight is not that. There's so much grace and mercy as we walk out a walk of faith, obedience with the Lord. There's so much room. He gives us so much room for our feet. I love scripture talks about how he gives us room for our feet. He puts us in a wide open field, meaning it's okay to stumble. It's okay to figure this out. There's so much mercy. It would be ridiculous if I was with my baby girl who hasn't learned to walk yet, Uh, She's learned to walk now. I'm just saying when she hadn't learned how to walk yet, if I demanded of her that she run, that'd be ridiculous of me to demand that my baby girl run before she could crawl, before she could walk. That's what I mean by there's so much grace. There is grace and mercy from the Father as we grow in our walk of obedience with Him. So I want you to get excited. We're talking about obedience. Yes! (laughs) 
It's a good thing. It's not a bad word. It's a good thing. And we're equipped by Holy Spirit to walk in it. Amen. And so I want us, over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to be digging in it. What does it mean to walk in obedience to Jesus? What role does obedience play in our experiencing His kingdom? Because I believe that, you know, in Christ Jesus, He has made everything pertaining to life and godliness available to us. He has finished the work on our behalf. And so there comes with that this paradox. Well, if he's already finished everything, why do I need to obey him? There is this process in discipleship of us coming under submission to the finished work of Jesus. I have to train my heart and my mind to submit to Christ and what he has accomplished on my behalf. If I'm going to experience the fullness of his kingdom, I have to train my soul in yielding to his way of doing things. That's a cooperation that we have with him as in our walk. That's what discipleship is. Without faith obedience, we are experiencing theology, but not the kingdom. Without faith obedience, you may be experiencing theology. You may be learning the word, learning doctrine, reading your Bible. But without faith obedience, the lived word, living what the word says and coming under submission to it, it's just theology. It's not the kingdom. The kingdom is to begin to shape our behaviors, to shape us from the inside out, where my heart now matches Christ's. And as obedient as he was unto death, that is to be what we become in him. That's drastic, y'all. That's drastic. And I feel so convicted. I've been chewing on this word for a few months because it was a few years it hit me that in my walk with the Father, I've experienced a lot of sweet intimacy with Him. I've had a beautiful relationship with the Lord since I was very young, and I'm very thankful that I got to know Him early. But I had with that this attitude that grace meant I kind of make the decisions. I call the shots. I'm glad I've got this best friend in the Father, but your best friend in Jesus is also your Lord. And that means walking in obedience to Him. I realized I treated so much of His direction to me as if it was optional. And I grew up and I realized this isn't just me. This is the condition of the church. The church treats so much of what he says as if it's optional. But if we're really going to be transformed into his likeness, we actually have to buy into what he said. We actually have to believe it and to become it. And that's a process. We're all on this journey together. Nobody's going to be perfect. Even though scripture says, be perfect as he is perfect. That's a big, that's a tall order, Lord. What the heck? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But by the power of the Holy Spirit, that work is, it's completed in us. He works in us into completion. And that's sweet to know you can't do this. You can't do that by yourself. There's impossible. It is impossible. But by the power of the Holy Spirit and the word at work on the inside of us, we are perfected. We are transformed into the likeness of his dear son. And that's exciting. That's the gospel. You couldn't please him. You couldn't impress God. You couldn't earn your way into his throne room. But because of the cross of Christ, because of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf, we can walk boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy. We can step into this place of transformation, being changed from glory to glory into his image. That's the gospel, that Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Anybody excited about that? That he's in you? And he is the hope of glory. 
He's the only hope, our only hope of glory, that we would be like him, that we would be like the Father. And, and we have, we, because of him, we get a place among them. Isn't that incredible if you think about how holy he is, that people died when they approached him incorrectly, but now because of the blood of Jesus, we get to approach God. When we are worshiping here, we are approaching the very presence, the manifest presence, the throne room of the Father, and it's because of the blood of Jesus. We can't treat this passively like it's no big thing, that we get to come into the manifest presence of God. It's a big deal. It's what Christ paid for, and we just, we get to wear it like like a banner. His banner over us is love. It's admittance. It's entry into his presence. What a sweet gift. Amen. So yeah, so I've been convicted <laughs> for months. Like, Father, I want to be really obedient. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet, obedient unto death. We have brothers and sisters in other nations that they're obedient to the Father unto death or whatever it looks like, whatever it costs. And I look at me, I'm like, God, I'm a long way from that. (laughs) Do this work in me. I want him to do that work in me. Where whatever he says, I say. Whatever he does, I do. Wherever he goes, I go. I want to lay my life down before him. And so that is some of what we're going to be talking about over the course of these next couple weeks and exploring. So I want us to look at James We're going to look at various scriptures tonight because tonight we're just laying a foundation for our thoughts, just framework. So we're going to visit a lot of scriptures. But James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. And if this anything feels too convicting or too heavy, it's going to get good, y'all. Just stick with me. (laughs) We got this. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not you. You can't do this. You can't live an obedient life, but Holy Spirit in you can. Amen? James 1, 22 through 25 says, but be doers of the word. Everybody say doers. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How many believers have deceived themselves that if if I just read it, if I just go to church on Sunday, if I just check off my morning Bible study, that that's enough. No, we are to be doers. We can't be deceived. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Everybody say a mirror. Mirror. This word is a mirror. For he observes himself and he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. How many of you can remember times in your life where this was the truth? Man, I tell y'all stuff like today. Yeah. I know what the word says about me. I've read it. I've spent time. And then I go away from this and I am in pride in conversations with my husband. Or I'm like desperately just impatient with my children. I've gone away from the mirror of the word and immediately forgotten who I am. How many of you can relate? We can be honest. This is a safe place. (laughs) Immediately have forgotten who I am. Let's pick up in verse um, 25. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, say continues in it, and is not forgetful, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This is my prayer, Father, that I will remember who I am. 
that I not walk away from the mirror of the word, but that I would chew on this. I would meditate on this and I would become this. Christ, Christ modeled that for us. He discovered who he was through the reading of the, of the prophets, that that's me. If Christ discovered himself in scripture, we are to discover ourselves in scripture too. This is you. It doesn't matter what you've experienced. It doesn't matter your failures, the stuff that you've gone through or the trauma that you've carried, the way you have been mistreated or have mistreated others, where you've really messed up. None of those things matter in light of the blood of Jesus that has covered you, that has paid for your redemption. Now this mirror right here reveals exactly who it is that you are. And this has to be the only thing, the only thing that we look to. It is so easy Man, especially there's just, it is a strategy of the enemy. When we say yes to Jesus and we begin to say yes to his call on our lives, the enemy launches a very specific attack on your identity to try to trip you up from believing that this is who you are. He will throw anything at you. The, the kitchen sink, all of it. I don't know that expression. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everything in the kitchen sink. I just Stuff just flies through here. But, but yeah. He'll throw anything at you to get you away from this mirror so you will forget who it is that you are. But we have to be rooted and grounded in this word. And the scripture talks about in the last days, whatever, if this, is the la- if this ain't the last days, and Lord help the last days, people, because right now it's crazy. We have to know this word. We have to be convinced of this word and who we are. Everything about the kingdom begins with understanding who you are in Christ. It's, we can't be an impact to nations if we don't know who we are, that we are the priesthoods and we are the nation of God. We have to be convinced. Um, most believers live a cheap faith. Obedience is costly. This walk that I'm talking about is going to cost us something. It's cheap to just read scripture. It's cheap to just only show up on Sundays or only go to a life group or only uh, raise your hands in worship. If you're not really being transformed by the word and submitting your heart and your mind to the word of God, you're living a cheap faith. And the Lord has called us into a costly faith, a costly obedience that looks like laying down everything. You know, I don't think I realized that till I was much older, that when I said yes to Christ, I said yes to dying to myself and being alive in Him. That it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, my everyday life that I have to live, I live by faith in Him because He gave Himself for me. That that's the reality we have said yes to when we said yes to Him. It's not about me anymore. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my story or my history. I stepped into out of my story and into His. My history doesn't matter anymore. He'll take everything in your life experience and He will use it for your glory if you let Him. I've seen Him do that. But it's not about what I've been through anymore. It's not about me anymore. I've just said, Lord, anything in my history you want to use that would be useful to the body of Christ, you can have it. Because that's not me anymore. If I can share anything that I've learned or anything that I've experienced in relationship with you, so be it. But I don't identify with my past anymore. I don't identify with any diagnosis. I don't identify with any loss or trauma that I've experienced. I identify with Christ. Amen. Let's look at that, Galatians 2.20. It's my favorite verse. It's, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's look at Matthew 16, 25. Remember, it's a costly, obedience is costly. It costs us all. Matthew 16, 25 through 27. It says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. I think we think too little about the rewards to come. We're an instant gratification society. That's just the way it is. We've been programmed from young, you know, and if you're a millennial, you've been programmed from the time you were born. Instant gratification. (laughs) Let's make this as fast as we can. (laughs) But there are actual rewards for us, actual rewards for you in heaven, in Christ, for obeying, for the way that you live this life. The way you live this life matters. There's actual, I want you to think about that. There's actual reward for you, waiting for you. There are actual treasures that have been set up for you in heavenly places because of the way that you have stewarded your life. That's a motivator. If we really become awake to that, alive to that, that's a motivator for wanting to partner with Holy Spirit. I want to partner with you, Holy Spirit, in every area of my life so I can do the work that I'm here to do because I'm here to do something. Everybody say, I'm here to do something. We're here to do something, and it comes out of relationship with Him. We're first here as priests. Do you know this? Priests minister to God. That's your primary call. If you have said yes to Jesus, you're a priest. Priests minister to the presence of God. That means every one of us has a call to grow relationship with Jesus. Intimate, heart-to-heart, face-to-face connection with Him in the secret place. And you can't let your spouse do that for you. You can't let a worship leader do that for you. You can't let a pastor do that for you or your life group leader. This is something that's personal. It's a personal call that only you can fulfill. The calling to the secret place with Jesus. That's what all of us are called to. And out of that secret place with Jesus come our works. Out of that come our works of faith that bless the world, that bless our households, that bless our our places of business, all of that. The goal of discipleship is that we die to ourselves. We die to ourselves, our old man, our self-centeredness. We're all self-centered from birth. It is our default. It is our default to only think about ourselves. And man, I've felt so convicted in this lately. It's changing my whole way. I'm mothering and being a wife. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I'm so selfish. Help me. (laughs) Man, it's bad. (laughs) From birth, we are self-centered. The walk of discipleship is about learning to die to yourself. Die to your flesh, die to your preferences, die to your demands and your expectations and your plans and your past and be alive in Christ. I love this scripture. It says Psalm 17, it's Psalm 17, 15. This is such a beautiful um, verse. It says, as for me, well, before I, let me give you some context here. This is a Psalm of David. And I, when I read this verse, I feel like it's prophetic in nature because David is about to confess something that he has not actually experienced yet and isn't even available to him. So he says this. He says, as for me, 
I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. At the time that David is writing this, he, the cross hasn't happened. He can't wake up in the Lord's likeness. I feel like this is a prophetic scripture because we who are now in Christ, we have woken up. We were once dead and now we are alive in him. And we have seen, we have beheld his face and we are made in his exact likeness. And I love this. I won't be satisfied. My satisfaction is knowing that I have been transformed and I am being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. This is something that was finished at the cross. When I received the cross, I stepped into his likeness. And now every day I'm being transformed into his likeness. It's something that has been done and is being done until it is complete. And that's exciting. This is, this is the life that we have said yes to. We have seen and we have partaken of something that David couldn't partake of at the time that he penned this. We get to wake up from being dead and being alive in him. That's good news. That is good news. Mm. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. All things. This is your identity now. You are made new in Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, I love this because it goes back to that mirror. Remember the mirror we talked about in James 1? It says that we behold in a mirror and then we walk away from it and it's like we forget. Well, here comes that mirror again. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image as Jesus from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. How is it happening? By the Spirit of the Lord. Everybody say, I'm a new creation. Everybody say, I am being transformed. And it's by the Spirit. We can chew on the Word, we can learn the Word, but the Word works by the power of the Spirit. It takes Spirit and truth. It's the Spirit of the Lord breathing on the Word that is on the inside of you. The Lord sows Word in you, and Holy Spirit hovers over it, and He causes it to bring forth harvest. He causes it to bring forth fruit. We're transformed, and it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful process, but this is something that is complete. I, I always want to, you know, when we're talking about transformation, we talk about it all the time that this is what we exist to see people transformed by Christ. That is what Victory Life Church believes. But we have to begin with this understanding that it is already done. You know, you have already received a new nature in Christ. Now we walk out transformation from glory to glory. Deuteronomy 6.4. Oh, before I go there, I want to say this. With, with obedience, I think it's important that we understand that obedience is grounded in a love walk with Jesus. It's grounded in love and intimacy. Um, Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Say, all your heart. With all your soul and with all your strength. From the beginning in Scripture, 
that from that prayer all through scripture. It's about heart obedience. You know, it's about our hearts, our hearts wanting to obey him. You know, when I tell my oldest, either one of them, I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old. I expect the six-year-old to obey. The two-year-old, she's in a grace period right now. <laughs> but, but the six-year-old, when I tell her to do something, if she does it like this, okay, mom, <laughs> that doesn't please me, you know? <laughs> Would that please you? She did it, but she did it with the worst attitude. Her heart was not in it. <laughs> When my daughter obeys me with a right attitude, it shows me that my heart is in her. It shows me that she trusts my direction, that she trusts what mommy has said to her. I'm walking in obedience because I trust you. And the same is true of our relationship with the Father. We, we respond to Him in the things that He says. That doesn't mean that there, there aren't times we don't hesitate or that we don't ask Him for another confirmation or for the 12th confirmation. Can you give me the 12th word of confirmation? And then I'll do it. We'll talk about that another time. But... Uh, <laughs> It's not that, but it's about our heart, having a heart poised to want to obey. I want to obey you because I trust you. It, wanting to understand and make sure you're getting it right, that's something different. But having a heart that says, Lord, if you've said that this is what we need to do, I trust that you know what you're talking about, so I'm going to obey you with a right heart. That's what we want from our kids, and that's what he wants from us. Now, I want to talk about this for a moment. Because I do believe that we as a body, as a Victory Life Church in Sherman and all of our Victory Life locations, but my heart is in this place, that we are on the cusp. I believe this house is on the cusp of experiencing a move of God that I can't quite put my finger on, you know, <laughs> but it's exciting. We talk about it. We pray about it. We don't know exactly what it is, but we're excited <laughs> and we want to we wanna cooperate with whatever He says. And I want, to, I want to speak some of these things to that, whether it's corporately experiencing a corporate move of the Father, or it's something personal, a personal move of the Father in your own life, a breakthrough that you're longing for, an endeavor that you've been believing for for a long time, a relationship you've been believing for, any area of breakthrough or a move of the Lord, a move of God in your finances, anything that would pretend to you individually. These are some things that I've observed, and I want to start by saying this. There are some things that we cannot experience until we are made ready by His love. There's some things we just can't experience until we're made ready by His love. And two things that I've seen in my personal life and in our house over years here is there are two things that have to be present for a move of God to take place. And the first part, it says experiencing a move of God requires one this is not exciting. It's just the passage of time. And we'll talk about that. Just the passage of time. And the other one is specific preparation. These two things have to take place. So what do I mean by that? The passage of time and specific preparation. So if I think about like my daughter now who is six, one day she will drive. One day she's going to drive. When she turns a certain age, 15, 16, she will be legally able to drive. And we will do what is necessary to prepare her for that. But right now, while she's six, all along the way, I'm just going to be loving her and growing her up until she's ready to step into that. Right now, she is not cognitively able 
to drive. She's not able to cognitively understand the rules of the road or how to operate a vehicle. She's not even tall enough to see over the steering wheel. (laughs) You know, there are things that have to take place, and the only way for them to is the passage of time. There is a readiness that comes in the waiting. The Lord is, don't ever think that waiting is waste. No, the, the Lord is preparing you for something. If you look at Joseph, he had to wait. He got dreams when he was a kid. He waited. Moses received a word that he was going to set the Israelites free. He had to wait. It was 10 years between the time he tried to take things in his own own hands and killed an Egyptian. 10 years till he actually was able to lead and go in and free the Israelites. If you look at Jesus, his ministry was three years. That's still a passage of time. He didn't just arrive on the scene ready for the cross. He walked through three years of ministry with his disciples. Disciples. Over and over and over through scripture, we see every person who did anything of significance in the body of Christ had to walk through this. There's no way around it. And we all want to rush it and we all want to avoid it. But anything that's manufactured or microwaved doesn't bring him glory. It will always fall short. I know this from experience. Anybody know from experience? Anybody try to microwave something? <laughs> I try to microwave husbands. That's not a good idea. <laughs> you do not want single ladies. You do not want a microwaved husband. <laughs> you want a Jesus husband, the one that he's prepared for you. Passage of time. There's no way around it. I believe that we as a body, there's a passage of time we're walking through. Words we re- received over time. We gain strength over time. We gain vision over time. We gain unity over time. The Lord, I would hate for a move of God to hit this place and we not be in unity. Imagine what that would do to us if this group over here thinks, well, that's not of the Lord. And then that group over there is like, well, I think we should do this. There has to be unity in the home. There has to be unity in this place to carry what the Lord wants to give us. A house divided cannot stand. If we want to be able to stand under the weight of the glory of God that is going to hit this house, we have to be in unity. Amen? We have to be of one heart, and that's a supernatural thing. I don't know about you, but I could sit down with any one of you, and in five minutes, I'm sure we could find one thing we disagree on. You know, it's, it's supernatural to walk in unity with this many people. Something that happens by the Spirit. What is one thing we can all agree on? Jesus. We can all agree on Jesus. So if a house will set their eyes on Jesus and nothing else, we can remain in unity. Isn't that awesome? I think that's powerful. So the other thing is specific preparation. There are specific directions that the Lord gives. You know, if he calls a house or calls you to a fast or if he, he wants you to spend time in a specific book of the Bible or if he calls you to a certain relationship or he calls you to this or that action, there are specific directions. But, you know, something that I experienced personally a couple years ago, I was in a life group. There were two life groups, sister groups, one in Durant and one in Sherman. And they were both worship life groups. So I helped lead worship for these life groups. And they were just amazing. They, it was a gathering of our prophetic teams and a lot of our worship teams. And we would worship and just love on Jesus with no agenda, just, just Jesus, just focusing on Him in worship. And I saw so much happen just in the spirit in that place, the unity in those groups, the move of the Lord, the miraculous. It was just a beautiful season that I look back on and I miss I have missed that season. I've grieved. Anybody looked back and missed a move of God that happened way back when? (laughs) I've looked at that and I've grieved. Father, I want that again. 
And there have been so many times I've had to walk through this because, you know, if I were to try to manufacture or to replicate those groups, to try to do what we did, I'll just imitate what we did then and maybe we'll get those same feelings. Maybe we'll experience the same move. That is manipulation. We cannot look to how he moved once in our lives. We cannot look to how he spoke last year to us or how he spoke to us in 2020. We have to receive specific instruction for now. He may want to do something totally different than what he did in those life groups. You know, if I try to replicate that, it's going to fall short of God's glory. There are specific instructions that we just humbly wait to receive. We humbly, through relationship, just keep showing up to relationship. If it's really about Him, it won't matter how long you're waiting. Amen? Let me say that again. If it's really about Jesus, it won't matter how long you wait. It doesn't matter because you're with Him. You're in relationship with Him. So if it takes one year, if it takes 20, it shouldn't matter. Because remember, your call is to be a priest unto God. That's your call. So you're always in it. In that respect, you've already arrived. You're already a priest. It's already done. (laughs) So anything that we're waiting on, there can be peace in it. There's peace in the waiting because we're already in relationship with Him. We already get to have communion with Him. And if you're not getting to experience that, I want to tell you that there's more for you. There is more. He says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. And whatever means necessary, get in the word, sit down with worship music, pray, meditate on one scripture for five months, whatever it takes. He will guide you in that and he'll give you specific instruction for how to experience the more that he has for you. Amen? So we want to be ready. There's time, passage of time, and then there's preparation. And in these things, we walk out obedience. This is where obedience is walked out, in the passing of time. And then when he gives that specific direction, you better be sure to do it. (laughs) Make haste to do what the Lord speaks. And that's where I really just personally, I'm a feet dragger. Does that that make sense? I like to drag my feet. He tells me to do something. I'm like, okay. Let's see. I want that 12th confirmation. And then maybe, maybe we'll think about it. We'll see, Lord. (laughs) But we got to make haste. My word this year is obedience. My personal word for the year. And I was riding in the car with my husband and we passed this beautiful mural of Mustangs. It was a mural of beautiful, like brightly colored Mustangs. And I wanted to pull over so I could take a picture of this mural. And I'm standing in front of all these wild horses running at full speed. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, that's what obedience looks like for you this year. (laughs) I want you to run in obedience. Don't think about it for six more months. Just say yes to what I'm saying to you to do. Anybody need permission to just say yes to what the Father is asking you to do? Anybody carrying a vision in this season and it's time to just say yes, just jump in, just make it happen, just take off running on your mark, get set, go, it's time. I believe this is a a now kind of year where it's time. It was okay to hesitate in 2022. It was okay to second guess in 2021. It was okay to wait in 2020. But now that we are here, It is time to run. I believe he's going to be calling people in the body of Christ to run with the thing that he's put on the inside of you. And we say yes. We say yes to it, Father. I want to look at um, 
man, y'all, we'll see if we can get through it. <laughs> I want to look at something else. This is just really cool. Thinking about obedience. We're, we're thinking about obedience. Um, there's a story I've told before. I just think this is so cool. I've found a lot of revelation just digging into this um, when I got out of the story. But there was this writer. I was reading this writer's blog. And he was talking about an experience when he was in an airport in Tel Aviv. So he's in an airport in Tel Aviv in the men's restroom. And he overhears a father speaking to his very little son. The son's like three or four. So he's overhearing this conversation. And the father says to the little boy, when I tell you to do something, I want you to call me Abba. So obviously this man is Jewish. Sorry, I don't know if I said that. <laughs> the man and the son are Jewish. And so they're going in and out of English and Hebrew. They're speaking English and Hebrew to one another. And he says to his son, when I ask you to do something, I want you to call me Abba. So this is a teaching moment between a father and his little boy. And this writer is overhearing this. And when he hears this exchange, something goes off on the inside of him. And he realizes his interpretation of the word Abba has been incomplete. Because we, as we define, I know as I defined Abba, it's a term of endearment. Abba means daddy. He's our daddy God, my Abba father. But what this writer discovered as he started researching this is that Abba is not just a term of endearment. The actual interpretation of the word Abba, Abba means father, I will obey you. Yeah, let that hit you. <laughs> Father, I will obey you. And so when he was teaching his son, that I'm, when I give you instructions, say to me, Abba, call me Abba. That means, Father, I will obey you. See, two things are present in the word Abba, intimacy and obedience. You cannot have one without the other. And most believers fall in one of these two ditches. They're all intimacy all the time. I can, I, I know that. I understand what that looks like. <laughs> all intimacy with the Father, and they waver in obedience. Like, eh, I love you, but I don't think I'm going to do that. But you're awesome. <laughs> and then there are those who fall in more of the religious side, that they're all obedience all the time. Follow the letter of the law. Everything has to be exactly what it says. And they have no relationship with Jesus. They couldn't tell you what his face looks like. They couldn't tell you what his, what his nature is like. They couldn't tell you what it feels like to be in his presence because they're all obedience all the time. I will serve you. I will do anything unto death. Yeah. But they don't actually know him. They don't know him. And when we call him Abba, it means both. It means you're my daddy and I will obey you. There's the marriage of the two. So when you say the word Abba, both things have to be present. When I call Father Abba, when we call the Lord Abba, we're saying to him, I am poised. I am ready to do what you say. My heart is ready to do what you say. In my household growing up with my mama, <laughs> sorry, she's in the room. Sorry, I looked at you. <laughs> with my mama, she would say, yes, ma'am, and do it. Like that was what we said to her. Yes, ma'am, and do it. Whatever she said, yes, ma'am, and do it. <laughs> that was the equivalent of Abba. Father, I will obey you. So I expect obedience. I expect you to know my heart for you, and I expect you to do what I'm telling you to do. Um, Mark 14, let's go there. Mark 14, 35 through 36. It says, this is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, just as an example. It says he went a little farther and he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. What hour? The hour of the cross. He wants the cross to pass. I don't want to do this. 
And he said, what did he say? He says, Abba, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, but nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. In order to live a life that says, not what I will, sorry, if I read that wrong, not what I will, but what you will, we have to have our hearts positioned in a place of obedience the way Christ did. In order to call him Abba, we have to be his child. Anybody his child in here? Good deal. And only an obedient child can use that term, an obedient child. You have to first be a child and you have to be an obedient child. But so that we don't get off into um, our own works, I want to show you something else. (laughs) It's the power to obey. Where does the power to obey come from? I want you to look at Romans 8.15. I love this. Romans 8.15. It's for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you can call him Abba on your behalf because the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is what has made you a child and is what has empowered you to actually obey him. I can't call him Abba in and of my own strength because I can't obey him in and of my own strength. I can't do half of what he's asked me to do. But Holy Spirit on the inside of me, on the inside of you can call out Abba on your behalf. Holy Spirit in you is poised to to do through you anything that the Father asks. And that is good news because I want to obey. Anybody want to obey? I want to follow Him. I want to see the callings of God on my life fulfilled, but I'm a scaredy cat. I'm a weenie. I'll never forget the conversation I had with Pastor Dwayne once. And I was like, dude, where do I get this boldness from? How do you do this? And he said to me, honey, I'm a weenie off the stage. (laughs) It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Gosh, that really, that really ministered to me. If he can say, I'm a weenie, I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm a weenie. I am nothing and I have nothing. But through the Holy Spirit, we have everything pertaining to life and godliness. And we can do this. Amen. We can do what we're called to do. So let's see. Hmm, do we have time? I think we have a couple of minutes. So I'm going to take them. We do. We're on time. I'm just going to, I want to leave you with this beautiful image because I just think it's so pretty. We might return to this in the next couple of weeks. But um, John 12 it's John 12, 1 through 12, and we'll just go through it quickly. Um, just as a, an image to leave you with is the wedding at Cana. This is the wedding at Cana. And before we talk about this, I want to tell you, a few years ago, we were having uh, 10 days of prayer. It was two years ago. We were having 10 days of prayer. I was standing there, and the Lord told me to go stand back there and to look this way. And the Father asked me, what do you see? And what I, I just saw in my mind's eye, in my imagination, in my mind's eye, I saw the stage break like um, clay and oil just started spilling out of it. Oil, not oil, I'm so sorry, wine. (laughs) Wine, I'm mixing up my metaphors. It was wine. Wine began to spill out of the stage and it was moving up the aisles, filling this room. It just started to fill the room. 
And when, um, when I was reading this Wedding at Cana story today, I was reminded of that because you think of wine as the outpour of the Holy Spirit, just the outpour of the Holy Spirit in this place. And when I had that vision, I knew what I was seeing was not a thing that had come to pass yet, that we were gonna see the outpour of the wine of the Holy Spirit, an outpour of the move of the Lord. And so I wanna look at this just very quickly and just read this story. This is the wedding at Cana where Jesus performs his first miracle. And verse two, it says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Everybody say they have no wine. Can you think of any area in your life where you have felt like I have no wine? I have no move of the Holy Spirit. I feel deficient in this. I need wine in my finances. I need the wine of the Lord in my marriage. I need the wine of the Lord in my parenting or with that child that is astray. I need the wine of the Lord. They had no wine. And for them, for this uh, culture, that was an embarrassment. This is a a big deal that they're out of wine. Culturally, that's a no-no. You don't have a wedding and run out of wine. Anybody seen The Chosen? (laughs) You just can't do it. (laughs) Jesus said to her, his mama, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And apparently that just meant, let's go guys, because Mary, Mary goes to the servants and she says, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots. Specific, this is specific instruction. Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, The master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have full drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. I believe that the Lord has good wine for us as a church and he has good wine for you individually. And there is gonna come a moment where he speaks to your heart to fill your water pots, whatever that may be. He's gonna give you specific instruction. And so may we be poised to hear him. May we be poised to hastily obey him. That is my prayer for us in this season. I want you to say this last part. Whatever he says to you, do it. Let's say that. Whatever he says to you, do it. That is our prayer this year. Amen. Man, I hope that blessed you. This is so sweet for me to get to be here.